0: Three out of four on this little special series on work. Um, and again, a reminder, when we talk about work here, we're using really the word vocation. Um, we're talking about both our jobs. We're also talking about all our roles we play, whether it's mothers or fathers or daughters or um, students or whatever those may, those kind of roles, different roles may be. It's all included in there. I've shared, uh, I think each time the last couple of weeks, I've shared something about some kind of job I had. Um, I, I mentioned that I delivered... Um, the San Francisco Chronicle, for two years. Um, I had resigned from a church, and I took off a couple years in between. I worked full-time, but also delivered the Chronicle, back when newspapers were big. um, We had a building down at the end of this little driveway, and uh, we'd pick up our papers there in the morning. Um, And on Sundays, though, because there's so many inserts, all the different workers, there's about six of us had routes that would be in there for about an hour stuffing all the newspapers before we'd take off and um, deliver them. But we were talking last week about how sin has impacted our jobs. Um, I had one occasion as I delivered papers in the hills of Lafayette, California, which is in the East Bay of San Francisco. And um, you don't know what goes on at night around the city. Um, there are newspaper delivery people all over the place. They just go anywhere they want. So you're going to the right side of the road, left side of the road. You're just figuring people are going to. And I almost collided with other newspaper carriers that were like rival papers. And they would yell at me, and we'd yell back at each other. And, I hit a deer one time, which is horrible. Um, Another occasion, I was uh, delivering papers, and there's a long stretch from one place to the next. So I got some speed going uh, rather than being just first gear the whole time. It was a Sunday, and I had this huge paper, and I knew there was a driveway coming, and I just reached out the front of my truck and I just chucked it. And right then, a guy was coming, had skis in his hand. I think they're on their way to go skiing, and it hit him in the chest. And actually, I lifted him off his feet, he fell down and fell backwards, <laughs> had to pull over and apologize and hope we weren't going to get sued and all this <laughs> terrible stuff. Um, one of the guys, a uh, married guy that was delivering papers um, and a gal that was in our group, they were involved in a relationship with each other. And on one occasion, this guy who was involved, his wife also delivered papers, but she did hers in a different area. And um, we were stuffing our papers on Sunday morning, and I was the, the supervisor uh, for the group, so when someone wasn't there, I had to deliver their papers for them. And um, all of a sudden, I hear his wife out in the driveway yelling to he and his girlfriend to come out, and we're going to deal with this right now, and she's yelling and screaming. So I'm the supervisor, so I'm going to go out to let her know, to, you know, you need to leave. And um, she had her car blocking the driveway so nobody could get out. And I go out there, and she's waving a gun. if so she had a gun. So I quickly went back in and closed the door. And fortunately, we had a phone back when you had phones on the wall. And um, I called the police, and she was arrested after actually a pretty long standoff. And when we got to deliver the papers, and our papers were delivered late. Um, so sin impacts our work. The good news, as we we're looking at today, is that as believers, God redeems our work. Even in the midst of all those kinds of things, God does a redemptive work um, in us. A little bit of review. Remember, first of all, we talked about we were created in God's image, and God is a worker. Right from the beginning, we discovered that God is a worker. He's creating. He's doing things. We were made to cultivate God's resources, um, be they the ground or seeds or water or relationships, whatever it is, God's created these things. and We're called to take those resources and cultivate them, and we image God or imitate Him as we create different things as well, and all different kinds of ways we do that, all done to the glory of God. And as we saw it, they're all acts of worship. And then, second of all, last week we saw that sin entered. So now our work, our vocations are impacted by thorns and thistles, and can be off and be marked by pain. And so our vocations, as we carry them out, are met with difficulty, sometimes opposition. Um, It gets distorted, in other words, we find our identity there, or we get selfish in our work, whatever it might be. Um, There's discouragement, and our our productivity gets diminished. Um, If you remember, uh, Rebecca last Sunday shared some testimony, and she shared about how, as she was at Raytheon working, she was able to use her gifts, but it also, she got kind of got pulled into that whole thing of beginning to measure who she was and her value by the world's metrics, rather than God's metrics, and that's how sin enters in, and it distorts things and gets us off track. This week, there's good news. God does not leave us there. Um, Even in the garden after sin, God gives a promise to Adam and Eve that there's a coming one, this Redeemer, who's going to come and he's going to break that curse, Um, and as such, our work and our vocations can actually, as believers, push back against the the curse and what it's done in our world. Galatians 3.13 says that Jesus redeems us, from the curse of the law, but becoming sin for us. And then these verses from Romans 8 says, I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For even the creation itself has been subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will one day be set free from its bondage to corruption, and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been growing together in the pains of childbirth even until now, and not only the creation, but even us ourselves, who are the first fruits of the Spirit, inwardly regrown as we eagerly await for adoption of sons, redemption of our bodies. All creation has been impacted, but it's longing for that day when we'll finally be redeemed and, and that will all be lifted. But even today, because of the work of Christ, we can begin to enjoy the first fruits of what it looks like to have our vocations actually redeemed and to make a difference in the world. So we're set free. As believers, we're beginning to know the reality of a new life. But our world, the very created order, even our very bodies still bear the marks of sin. As we saw in the beginning, we were made for impact and for relationship. And as redeemed people, God opens those gifts up afresh for us to begin to get a foretaste of what it's like to enjoy impact as people again and to enjoy reconciled relationships, even in the midst while we live in this unredeemed world. As we talked about often, the kingdom of God is here, as Jesus said, but it's not yet as well. And we live in that in-between kind of time. But because it is here and at work in us, our work, our vacations can begin to display what life looks like when God has touched it. And so our vocations, those things can look differently in the midst of all these things. We begin to give the world a taste of what our work can be like in the new kingdom. We get a glimpse of that when we look at the Gospels. I love that story. We talked about the fact that after sin, they had a toil. And that's that story where Peter is out in his boat and he comes in, and Jesus wants to go back out again when he first meets him, Peter says, I've been toiling all night. The idea that he was just sweating over this, and yet there was nothing to show for it. And then Jesus gets in the boat, and they go out, and there's this incredible abundance. And it's this picture of what can happen in redeemed people when Jesus enters into even our work can begin to show the touch of God in it. When Jesus shows up, nothing else is the same afterwards. Tim Keller writes this, The gospel is a true story that God made a good world that was marred by sin and evil, but through Jesus Christ he redeemed it at infinite cost to himself so that someday he'll return to renew all creation and end all suffering and death and restore absolute peace, justice, and joy in the world forever. The vast implications of this gospel worldview about the character of God, the goodness of the material creation, the value of the human person, the falseness of all people— And all things, the fallenness of all people and all things, the primacy of love and grace, the importance of truth and justice, and the hope of redemption, those things affect everything as believers, especially our work. So how did that happen? Um, And what does it look like? And that's our focus um, tonight. As I said, Rebecca shared last week. Today I've asked Bill O'Brien if he'd come up and share a bit about his work and a bit of how God has used it to make some kind of kingdom impact. So Bill, come on up.
1: Yeah, usually I'm up here talking about kids camp, but that's the side work. Yeah. But I just want to start off. I'm a second chance guy. When I was 17, I had a habit, and I couldn't change myself, and that's what drove me to Jesus. And once I read His words, it that voice um, gave me hope. That my habit didn't change overnight, but it gradually changed. And one of the things. About a young Bill O'Brien, was that I was very introverted. And a lot of engineers are. Uh, we like numbers and we're kind of geeks. And, you know, I, I still have it because look at this. I wear white socks with black shoes. Uh, and I have, uh, you know, a pen in my pocket. So, uh, but that's how God made me. And so I'm a forgiven guy, but I want my life to count. and. I realized God's wired me to like numbers and like building things, and um, so uh, I went to university and studied to be a civil engineer, and I loved it. And not everybody likes that. <laughs> and I realized uh, I can't be an electrical engineer. I, I failed differential equations or didn't pass. You know, so that there's ways that you know, as your career goes, you kind of redirect or you take pivot points, and. Uh, but uh, I just want to encourage you, if wherever you are in your career, that God will use you and your life will count. And um, So I've, I've, I love water. I got into water resources. Um, so I help people with their floodplain <laughs> problems or how big a riprap to put up in their ditch and those kind of things, how high the bridge should be so floods will pass under it. And I love it. Um, as I got older in my career, I realized that people count more than where the bridge is. It's the people who use the bridge. And I had a chance as an engineer to go to Ethiopia and work with the community for a few weeks to talk about how they manage their water supplies. And wherever you are in your career, you can end up overseas or working cross-culturally or, uh, you know, your your talents... <laughs> music talents especially go anywhere in the world and uh, so I think that's one message that your life will count and it may count cross-culturally as well as with people you grew up with Um, one you know if if you remember anything from tonight's talk that I give it's uh, about the kingdom of God Um, so Matthew 6 there's seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And then the next verse says don't be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself and I think in the working world we're always wondering am I good enough at my job uh, am I producing enough am I going to leave a wake of exciting engineering projects in my path <laughs> um, but then am I leaving a wake of Jesus' influence on the people I worked with? Uh, Were there good deeds done? Were there uh, opportunities to share about the kingdom of God with people as as all this happened? So sometimes I feel like I'm not very good at either one. (laughs) I'm not the dynamic engineer leading exciting projects, uh, and I'm not the greatest missionary or servant of Jesus either. You know, there's that, kind of voice that says, hey, you're not any good at anything. and But that's not the right voice. The Jesus voice is that you're my son, and I love you, and I made you with a purpose, and I'll help you up, and let's get going. And, you know, it's the choice we make whose voice we listen to, the world's metrics <laughs> uh, or the Jesus voice. It's really Satan's voice. It says, hey, you're no good. You'll never amount to anything. You know, you're too tall, uh, or whatever. Uh, but Jesus' voice is different. I love you. I've made you with a purpose. Um, you know, when I think about the woman who came to Jesus and cried at his feet and wiped his feet with her hair, you know, she was just overcome with grief for her sin and guilt. And he said, you know, wherever the gospel is preached, your story will be told. And And that's where... Jesus gives us so much value. and um, So as we seek the kingdom of God, uh, try not to condemn yourself, I guess, uh, that you're not good at anything, but focus on what he's called you to do and do it. The kingdom of God is a good theme I use at work, and that's another thing that um, we can talk about. In the working world, there's always this fear, well, am i am talking too much about religion with my staff? Is that going to uh, create, am I going to get sued <laughs> by some somebody? Um, but what I've found is people really respond to this idea of the kingdom of God. And so when I do interviews with new people uh, that are coming on board, I say, hey, you know, we've got to talk about diversity here. Uh, th- And every company has a background of philosophy for their staff. And and here's mine, if you want to join us. And I don't care what your background is as far as your religious background or your ethnic background, your culture, or your language. Uh, But we do something here called the kingdom of God. (laughs) And I draw a circle. I say, in this circle are the ideals that we're trying to live by. There's things like honesty, that we treat our clients, or straight shooters we call ourselves, honestly. Um, the If something comes up, we talk to them. In the kingdom of God, <laughs> and our ideal is to keep short accounts with people, that we don't let bitterness build up between the staff or our clients. Uh, there's some nice principles that I learned from Jesus about uh, if somebody has something against me, I go to them and try and resolve it, or if I have something against them that I go to them and try and resolve it so there 's uh, another kingdom principle is that we thank God for daily bread <laughs> and i 've had so many adventures of seen uh, a check come in and then the payroll go out that you wouldn 't believe it. Uh, my business manager was a woman of faith or My new business manager is a man of faith as well. And that's one of the exciting things about a small business is to see God provide our daily bread. But that kingdom of God, that's for everybody. It's not threatening to to talk about. Uh, It's uh, it's a way to start conversations. So the last... uh, (laughs) I think that's it. You know, the... And that's really what I want to leave each of you with is your value, how God's created you, and listen to Jesus' voice. Um, No matter who you are, (laughs) Chris, any of us who have ever led anything have been in this position where somebody doesn't like what we've done and we've maybe reacted wrongly even, and and all those things um, build up. But we have to come back to what does Jesus say about me? What does Jesus say about us? So value your career. It's, it's, a, it's a way you mix up with people and where nobody else can go. And uh, I just thank you for listening. Would
0: you pray with me just for a moment? If I pray for Bill and the place you've placed him, the gifts that you've given to him, the, the way he thinks and operates for his business, Um, that you've helped uh, pull together. Pray for him as he cares for the resources of your world, as he interacts with people, and that all those things would give glimpses and tastes of the kingdom. Um, Even if his interaction with his people that that work for him, um, they come away knowing something more about you. So I ask that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Bill, thanks for sharing. This evening we want to look at three things concerning our work being redeemed three uh, three things about our work being redeemed first one redemption because we are redeemed people redemption transforms our perspectives of work redemption you could even hear that as bill is sharing redemption transforms our perspective of work so for instance um bill mentioned daily bread when we pray give us our lord our daily bread how does god do that Um, He may have something just magically appear on your counter, um, but probably, most likely, it doesn't. Rather, God provides a farmer plant seed. A machine is built by factory workers, harvest the grain. There's a baker who uses the grain to bake the bread. There's a worker somewhere running it through a slicing machine and packing it in a plastic bag and putting a little twisty on there. There's a truck driver who loads it and delivers it um, to, to a store. Someone stocks the shelves. We purchase it made with money that God has provided for us through the other kinds of work that he's given for us to do. Perhaps a chef has prepared it and a server has brought it to you at a restaurant. Or maybe on Mother's Day your little one toasted it and brought it to you and tried to serve it to you in, bread, in bed. God brings our daily bread in that way. Listen to Psalm 147 and 1314. It says, Praise the Lord, for he strengthens the bars of your gates He blesses your children within you, he makes peace in your borders, and he fills you with the finest wheat. So how does God do those things? Well, he strengthens our gates through jobs, doesn't he? Through street planners, architects, politicians who make good laws to protect our city. He blesses our children through teachers and caregivers, through pediatricians, through coaches. He brings peace within our borders through judges and firemen and policemen, good neighbors, those who serve our military. Um, He fills us with wheat through bakers and chefs and farmers and restaurant owners and just generous neighbors who, who do those kinds of things for us. So what does that say about work redeemed? Redemption transforms our perspectives of work. I can be the person who just is on that line, and I've been on some assembly lines before, so I know what they can be like where you're just doing a job and that's all you see. I'm doing this thing and it means nothing. Or I can begin to see myself as a redeemed person who's got his place there with a bigger picture, a bigger picture of things. In all those kinds of places God has placed us, his redeemed people, we can be those teachers, those lawyers, those workers, those coaches, those neighbors. And because the Holy Spirit's in us and we carry the kingdom in those places, those places, according to God, because the Spirit does it, are changed by our very presence there. It's interesting, in Acts, the jailer that comes to Christ, remember when there's, um, all these things happen, and uh, this jailer comes to Christ through Paul? What does he do? It says he took Paul, and he washes his wounds, and he takes care of them, and he comes to Christ. But he was still a jailer. So what do you think that place is like after that? What was that jail like after that by his presence? I think it was probably different. I guess he treated people differently. I guess he had a different perspective on his role. It was impacted by his presence. And as I said, the second way, so it's changed is because we carry the kingdom of God. So I, I carry the kingdom every place I go. Well, how does that change it? It changes things. And as I said just earlier, it's, it's redeemed. Our perspective of work has changed because we get to see our work as part of God's bigger work. Work is redeemed And we see that our work is part of God's work. I'm not just some guy packing up bread all day to make a living, but I begin to see that I am part of God's means by which he provides. And he's using me to do that in the place I am. My work is bigger and has restored impact when we begin to see what we're doing through the eyes of God. And we've all had jobs or just the most ordinary roles we have in all of our daily places we go And we lose perspective on seeing them through the eyes of God. They just become difficult and drudgery, and we just want change, and we just don't see the picture anymore. And we're called as transformed people to begin to look at our roles the way God sees them. Because as we said before, wherever you are at the moment, it may change, but wherever you're at the moment is where you are called. So bring the presence of God there and see where you are through the eyes of God. So redemption should transform our perspective of work. Second of all, re- redemption transforms the way we do our work. That's why I had the story of Zacchaeus. I love the story of Zacchaeus because it's is this great picture of change. The first thing we hear, we hear about his work. It says, there's, Behold, there's a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and it says, And he was rich. We discover there's this man who is Jewish because they used to use the people in the, in the town to do this role. The Romans would recruit these guys to collect taxes, which they were, people were going to have to pay no matter what. But the tax collectors made their money by adding money onto the taxes. And so they would cheat people. They would say, you owe this much? No, what, you have to pay this much. And they'd give the Romans what they're supposed to get, and they would keep the rest. Um, so Zacchaeus was one of those tax collectors, so nobody liked him. Um, it's interesting, in Luke 3, when some tax collectors come to um, John the Baptist to be baptized, they ask him, what should we do now to show repentance? And John the Baptist says, to collect no more than what they're authorized to collect. Collect what's fair, what you've been authorized, but that's not what they normally did. Um, they were hated, and one of the reasons I said they would collect way more than what they were allowed to collect, and they had the power to do so, and the power of the Roman government behind them to do it. And as long as the Romans got what they were asking for, they didn't care what happened. And we're told that Zacchaeus is not just a tax collector, but he's a chief tax collector. So it's like he's in charge of this area. Was in Jericho. And then you have all these other tax collectors he sends out. They all are cheating people. And then he would get a cut from all of them as well as the money that he collects. So Zacchaeus has this stolen, basically. So he has all this money. He's rich. And people don't like him. Jesus enters the scene in the story. And for whatever reason, Zacchaeus wants to see him. Was he curious? Did he just have perhaps a seeking heart? I'm guessing he did, Um, or just whatever it was. And it says he climbed into a tree because it says he was short and couldn't see. I suspect that he also didn't want to be seen. Um, And when he's in the the crowds around the people, and you're the one who's been putting people basically into places of poverty, he's the last. He doesn't want to be seen. So I think he was partly in the tree because he was hiding there. Um, I don't think he really wanted to be seen. Remember, the very last week, we looked at Adam and Eve are in the garden, and sin enters in, and what are they doing? Remember? They're hiding. They're hiding. And God begins to call them, and they don't answer. And so we have Zacchaeus up in this tree. It's very similar. And Jesus stops, and he looks at him, and what does he do? He calls to him. He calls to him. And unlike Adam and Eve, who say nothing and just begin to blame, Zacchaeus comes down, and he says yes. He says yes to it responds to Jesus who looks up at him. It's clear from the text and his actions and the words of Jesus at the very end of the story that says salvation is coming to the, this house that something happened in Zacchaeus' heart at that moment. There was a transaction that happened and he became this follower of Jesus in that moment. So the question is, did it change his work? As he began to look at his, the, the, the vocation that he had and what he was doing, did it change it? Well, it says, yes. It says the first thing he says to Jesus, um, he gives away to the poor. Those most hurt by the taxes, he says, I'm going to take half of everything I have. This guy, is, this guy is rich. He's wealthy. He's going to take half of it, and he's going to give it away to the poor. Just give it away to him. Immediate change, which would have been a small fortune, which would have been distributed to them. Next, he says, all those who he unjustly took more than he was authorized, which is probably most people, he says he's going to repay it four times what he took, which was more than what the law of Moses required. So everybody he's cheated, he's going to multiply by four. Imagine you, you're going to, you've gotten this, you get a tax, say so see, get some t- money back in taxes this year. And suddenly you discover you're getting four times as much back. Um, not that the IRS is cheating or anything. I didn't mean to imply anything, but you get, it's, it's, isn't that it a big deal? It's like, oh, this changes things. I actually can put some tires in my car so I don't, you know, they don't blow out when I'm driving down the road or whatever it is. It's just, it changes things. He has a chief tax collector, and he's got all these other ones. How do you think it impacted them? As the one who's over them is now going to do his job in fairness and multiply it by requiring that everybody else do the same, what happens to that community? We don't know what he did and what happened, but I'm imagining he stayed. He was still a tax collector. He still collected taxes for the Romans, but he treated people fairly. What happens to that community? Well, from his initial giving them back four times the amount and giving half to the poor, that community was economically impacted by his decision. Suddenly a bunch of people who were barely getting by suddenly had provision for their families. And then ongoing down the road, if if it impacted everybody else, that whole community would have prospered in ways that it had not before, because the kingdom of God had impacted his heart and it changed what he did in his work. I don't think he continued to allow extortion to those under him, and he sure didn't do it himself. The whole community would feel the impact of what redemption had done to him. He was changed, his vocation has changed, and guess what? I'm going to guess all his relationships changed too. Suddenly people saw that he was different, that something had happened, and rather than people hating him, they would have probably been thankful they lived in the one community where they're actually getting treated as fair as they possibly could as conquered people. That is work that's redeemed. Still a broken system. They're still having to pay taxes to an oppressive government in this place. But suddenly, God goes in there in a the life of a person, and things are changed. When we do our work as redeemed people, it should bear the marks of a changed life. So do we work hard at our roles? Do we show up on time? Do we give honor and respect to our coworkers? In our roles that God gives us in our homes and in our, their neighbors, are we sacrificial and faithful? Do we display the character of God? It should change us. We should be different kinds of people, and it should show up. And thirdly, redemption changes the purpose of our work. Redempt, redemption changes the purpose of our work. First Corinthians 1031, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, not seeking our own advantage, but that of others. And then we just saw this as we went through the book letter to Colossians recently, Colossians 317, whatever you do in word or deed, do what? Do everything in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God. So the question comes, how do we glorify God in our work? Whenever we do to the glory of God, what does that look like? I'm just going to list some ways. I'm not going to read these verses. I'll just list the references. I know they'll be a little hard to see up here. But here's just a few ways that we as redeemed people can glorify God in our work, even when work is hard and still difficult and still filled with thorns and thistles and everything else. One, we work with honesty and integrity, um, even when it costs us something. Sometimes doing things honestly costs us. And that story is Joseph, uh, Genesis 39. Joseph worked honestly and with integrity, and he ended up in prison for it, but he still did it. It made an impact. Psalm 15 also talks about it. Second of all, honoring those who work over us. 1 Timothy 6.1 and Romans 13. I've had enough jobs with people over me that were not great people. (laughs) learning to honor them anyways and showing respect. Third, treating others with respect and kindness. Luke 6, 27-36 Treating others with respect and kindness Working to please God and not men That comes out of Colossians 3 When I understand that God is the one I work for God is the one I carry out my roles for It should change how I do it Rather than the person maybe I don't even care for That works next to me When we work we should serve without complaining Serving without complaining Isn't that the the laborer's right to complain? Isn't that what we do during lunch breaks? I don't do it here at church, of course. Um, When we work and serve without complaining, Philippians 2, 14, and 15, that alone in some workplaces would make you stand out. A person doesn't grumble and complain. When we do not make our work our idol, Matthew 6, 24, we glorify God, we do not make work our idol, We glorify God when we know that our provision ultimately comes from God, Matthew six eleven. That's We'll talk about this next week as we look at rest and Sabbath. But when we begin to work and do things, we think we're the ones who are producing it. We're the ones who are making it all happen. We're the ones who are provided. God is the one who provides, Matthew six eleven. We glorify God when our work is done in service to others, Matthew 20, 28, which is the example that Jesus gave. And lastly, and we'll, we're, this is what we're going to talk about next, uh, next weekend. We glorify God when we rest from our work. Deuteronomy 5, 12-15 and Psalm 46.10. We glorify God when we learn to rest from our work as well as do the work. So, redemption should transform our perspective of our work. We should see the bigger picture of how God's using us as well as understand that we carry the kingdom of God in those places. Second of all, uh, redemption should transform the way we work. There should be different kinds of people like Zacchaeus And third of all, redemption should change the purpose of our work. Redemption and grace does not just change our eternal destiny. It changes our moment-by-moment living. It should change our entire worldview. The very grid through which we review our vocations should be radically altered. So our daily call, even in this evening and tomorrow and Monday, is to see all things from God's perspective, to cast ourselves in faith and dependence on him to change how and why we work, to see the very vocations that we're called to as actually good gifts that can be offered to those around us and a chance to display the characteristics of the kingdom of God. One writer suggests that we ask these three questions. He says this, Every day you are creating something through your work, So, what are your hands producing? What is your mind imagining? What is your heart inspiring? And what is your mouth communicating? What are your hands producing? What is your mind imagining? Which God's given us these minds to create things and to think things. What is your heart inspiring? And what is your mouth communicating? As redeemed people, our work and our vocations are a very act of worship. And they're an opportunity to daily love our neighbor. So, as redeemed people, work redeemed doesn't change the world we work in, necessarily. It still has these difficulties. It changes us, but through us, impacts our world and begins to push back against the curse that came at the end of the garden. Brian, you can bring the uh, music team up here. Um, if you're visiting today, we do communion every single week. We have a table here, and there's a gluten-free one over there by the, the wall. Um, we often say it's time to take communion. But the truth is, that's not really the best way to talk about it because Jesus does say take and eat. But when we take and eat, what are we really doing? We're actually receiving. Our role is to receive receive the bread and the cup. We receive it, and it's a good thing to receive. At the table, we receive these elements of the bread and the juice that are supposed to nourish our souls. So as we sing uh, during this time, if you know Jesus, you are invited to come up to the table We just break the bread up and we dip it in the cup and we take it and receive from our hosts, the one who's the center of this table, these good gifts of the bread and the cup. There's reminders of what he's done for us. And then on the table, I did this before. I've done this illustration years ago, but we're going to do it again. There's some little spoons um, there. I wish I had plastic. I wish I had uh, pink ones. Go to Baskin-Robbins, right? You want to try it out first. You get a little spoon, you taste it. So these are tasting spoons. So after you've received from the Lord, his good gifts. Take a spoon, and it's a reminder that we carry, go out in the world and we give the world a taste of the kingdom of God through all the things that we do. After we receive the bread and the cup, we are sent out to our jobs, our relationships, to our varied vocations, and as we are sent to carry the kingdom of God with us each day in our work, we have a chance to give people a taste of the kingdom. So as we receive the bread and cup, we go out so that they can get and receive a taste of God's kingdom. It's just a reminder that we carry the kingdom with us and people get a taste as they see us. So as a redeemed image bearers, God works through us, redeeming our work because of his work on the cross, and as such, we get to give the world a taste of the kingdom. Lord, I thank you for pursuing us, not leaving us hiding. suit us again and again thank you that when you step in we're not just changed for some future day but we are something that we were not before we become your very children of God and that is what we are and as such the because of the work of the cross and the sh- blood shed for us and the renewal that happens in us because of that raised to walk new life that it impacts everything we do so Lord as we sing as we take the bread and the cup receive it from you as we take these spoons a reminder of what you call us to do as we go out the doors Um, we do it giving thanks and we do it to honor you